welcome to season five of the Foy and Jones Show. Thanks to our brilliant sponsors, MHK Holding UK. This season, we are getting back to business. In episode one, I'm joined by the brilliant Damien Walters of the BIKBBI and Stephen Johnson, Managing Director of Kuki UK. This is the Foy and Jones Show. Okay, listeners, here we go. It's been a while. I've been away. I've been recording the lockdown diaries. That video series was turned into a book and all the profits have gone to Gemma Oten's fantastic charity seed. But today I'm with Jack the Lad, Jack O'Connell, season five. Can you believe that? This is season five of my little podcast, The Foyne Jones Show. And this series, we are getting back to business. We are focusing on the UK KBB industry. We're focusing on, dare I say, or will I say, yes, I will say, we're focusing on a skills crisis. We're going to be talking about apprenticeships from the outside looking in and with Jack Lalad O'Connell from the inside looking out. And I've got two amazing guests to kick off this season. Damien Walters from the BIKBBI, welcome to the show. Stephen Johnson, the tap that does it all, Kuka UK, welcome back, both of you gents, to the podcast. How are you? I'm very good, mate. Very good to see you again. Yeah, I'm, I'm good and, and glad to be with you again. Thanks for having us. Listen, mate, you, you're both podcast veterans. I think I think Stephen's had a hat-trick ball, to be fair. He's had a Jones Digital hat-trick ball. I think I think this qualifies you for the hat-trick ball as well, Damien. So so that that's where we go. But it's it's great to be able to to talk like this and send a message out to the industry. And and I think really now now we've welcomed every everyone. Jack, you know, you're looking forward to this? I don't want to leave you out. Looking forward to it? Yeah, yeah it should Jack, be good. Jack, 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 Jack's often been behind the scenes, but now he's fully, he's fully in it, and we've got a brilliant new producer, Charlie, and we're going to talk about the skills crisis. Damien, you, you, it was a rally cry. You've got the press together. You've launched this. There's been an amazing response, but do you want to just start this episode, Mr. Walters, by just bringing that to life for us and for the listeners? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think... Um... It's no secret at the moment uh, that, that the industry is creaking. It seems uh, just around the, the lack of available resource that's there to fulfil this fantastic uh, spike in consumer demand. Um, there's a lot of people blaming coronavirus and uh, Brexit for, for this issue. But actually, the reality is, is that there's been a, a real lack of investment in vocational learning probably for the last 20 or 30 years. And Brexit and uh, and coronavirus has simply magnified that issue as opposed to cause it. So, um, what in terms of what we're doing, it's really quite simple. It's uh, you know how do we create um, uh, a vehicle to fix this issue, and you know quite simply that is around the development of a fit for purpose apprenticeship program, which uh, which we as an industry have managed to do over the last five or six years and. And actually what's happened the last few weeks is that we've added to that by supporting our particular part of the industry with a, a support service that is there to, to help the SME get their head around apprenticeships and essentially adopt it. Wow. 
I mean, that's that, that that's taken us on the whole journey. And Damien, this is something we spoke about this three years ago. You know, in KBB 2018, when I when I was presenting up there with you, you know, and I, and I and, and I was acutely aware of it. Perhaps not so much from the installation side, but from the but from the customer facing side, from the sales side, the designer side. You know, where are the, and I call it where are the stars of the future? Where are the next generation coming from? Um, it's something I see all the time. I own a specialist recruitment business, so I see that. And I fight against these um, these these kind of approaches, which are we will only recruit someone if they have 100 years experience and they've worked our software to, 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 to a star level. And there's that reluctance to train. There's, a, there's, a, there's an intent that we want someone to hit the ground running. Stephen, bringing you into the conversation, you're, you're doing some great work with KUKA, not just with Damien and the apprenticeships, but you're doing it in recognising rising stars in the industry as well. So this is something that, that I look at your business and you seem to always bring people in with raw skills rather than the finished article. Why, why, why is that? Why do you do that so well? Um, I think as a business, we, we work on, on two ethics, really. We want motivated and driven people. So the skill sets that they have... Yeah, they're important, but they're not the determining factor on why or how we would recruit somebody. So what we're looking for is a drive, a motivation, a work ethic. And I think um, it works exceptionally well in my business, but there was a defining moment for me. I think I met Damien at, at the start of maybe just before the COVID crisis. And if I look at my business, we have a young, driven team and I'm embarrassed to say that I wasn't really alive to this skills crisis. I wasn't aware of it. But after meeting Damien and then looking at my business, I've got a young, enthusiastic, energetic team in the sales side, in the account side, in the office side. And then I looked at my installers and, and my God, we, we employ 60 installers. We do a couple of thousand visits a week. They're an amazing team. But there's one common denominator. They're all 50 plus, they're all males, and, and they're all at the end of their career. And it's not my business. And therefore I had, yeah, embarrassed to say I didn't understand it. I now do. I have it in my business. And I think it, it, it's woken me up. And I think the, the alarming factor for me is the crisis is here. We're not gonna stop it happening. The crisis exists. It's happening. We can't stop it now. It's already happened. So what I can do as a business is put my energies behind Damien and his team and make sure we get rid of this crisis as quickly as and as human as possible as we can, really. Fantastic. Damien, I'm going to take you back. I mean, we're, 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 we're all at Jack's a lot younger than us. We're around the same, the same, the same vintage in terms of ages. Um, so, so let's go back to when we were at school. Okay. So, so, so when I was at school, you know, the, the apprenticeships kind of disappeared, disappeared, or they were seen as, you know, you could work down the garage for about 50 P an hour and, and you might get a job at the end of it. But it seems to go hand in hand with, with lessons like CDT and, and carpentry and woodwork or, all disappearing from the school curriculum. So, so I went to quite a rough, tough counter, comprehensive school in Fulham, and they probably didn't want to let us alone with them tools. To be fair, because it was a, it was that environment. But, but I think, I think, without getting political, and I don't want to get too political, but, but I think we miss a real trick even 
before apprenticeships in identifying young boys and girls who are creative, they can work with their hands, they're good with people, we can actually bring them out of some of the academic-led subjects, arguably, and focus them on skills, on a trade. Because that, that was something, I remember talking to you about that, and that's, that's almost pre-apprenticeship, isn't it, Damien? Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is a this is a problem that's existed for over thirty years, probably instigated by the dot com revolution. Um, but like yourself, I come from a roughly tufty comprehensive school in South East London, where everybody's dad was a builder, a plumber, an electrician, certainly in trades. Uh, I would say that the majority of people in our school were probably destined to be the and sons. I went to an all boys school. Um, uh, I like the way you qualified that, Stephen. Don't you? Just, 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 just to make sure. Yeah. Absolutely, but yeah, we would have been the and the and son part of the uh, the business card for our dads. But the the, the whole dot com thing came along, and quite literally, I think I was in the old in, talking in old money now, year two or year eight now. Um, I remember going into school in sort of May uh, and, and, and quite happily getting on with my woodwork subjects and my CDT because I was quite sort of handy in terms of those vocational bits. Um, and then literally going back to school in year three and all of those woodwork departments had literally been closed down and filled with computers. Um, and, and there was no CDT programme. It changed to PSE. Uh, personal and just, 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 just for the benefits of the listeners, when Damien's saying like first year, second year, one, two, three, that I think Jack is year seven, eight, nine. Yeah, yeah, seven, yeah okay. eight, nine, ten, yeah. 11, just, just bringing it, just bringing it down, down to the generation. But, but, but it is, it, it was amazing how that's disappeared. And, and, and I think Stephen's right, and, and you're right, Damien. The crisis is here. Okay, you know, we, we, we can see that with the with potential the lead times for projects. We can see that with the availability of the skilled work, workforce. Um, is there other factors that have played a part or accelerated this, Damien, that, that's got us to to where we are now? Without a shadow of a doubt, the, 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 the crux of this is a, a lack of investment in vocational learning over 20 or 30 years. People people have this misconception that things like coronavirus and Brexit has really caused this problem. The reality is it hasn't. Uh, as I've said on more than one occasion, that actually Brexit, uh, you know, our, our involvement in the European Union and, our, uh, and the arrival of um, coronavirus have literally just ripped the plaster off what was a festering problem that had been there for a long time in the lead up to this. Um, uh, 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 Theresa May, I think three years ago now, was at um, Warwickshire College, I believe, and she stood up and she said vocational learning and apprenticeships was once seen as being good, but for other people's kids. And she was saying that actually in support of apprenticeships because actually what we need to do is to turn around this whole mindset that vocational learning is a second-grade option. Um, which it, it most certainly isn't, not not from a career point of view, not from a qualification point of view, and certainly not from an earning potential. Um, but we have to change this mindset. The problem has been that that, that our, our views and, you know, the, the, the people have simply turned off from vocational learning because of perhaps a, an advancement in technology and the world moving into a digital place 20 or 30 years ago. Fair play, fair play. So, so, so let, let's bring it to to 
where you are now with apprenticeship. So, so you 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 are champion. You are the figurehead. You know, we we we've now got a really powerful message to send out to the industry that you know there there is a pathway for future installers, for future fitters, for for these skills to be nurtured and developed. And this this new apprenticeship has been born, Damien. Is that right? And it's been born and and heavily supported by Stephen and his business. Yeah, so apprenticeships haven't worked in the past because the apprenticeship um, that was available or apprenticeships that were available simply weren't fit for purpose for our industry. So as an example, the only apprenticeship available for kitchen installers was probably carpentry. The only apprenticeship available for bathroom installers would have been plumbing and heating. And neither of those apprenticeships would have fulfilled the requirement of a kitchen installer or a bathroom installer. And that's why that's one of the reasons why it wasn't successful. The other reason was that actually apprenticeships are quite complicated, you know, to access them, to really draw down on funds and to cut through um, a lot of the, uh, the red tape. It, it takes a bit of effort and time. Um, the majority of our industry are micro SMEs, so they've never employed people, never produced employee handbooks, don't pay people PAYE, and don't have about pensions. And this is, the, you know, when you combine those those two things with perhaps the the fact that apprenticeships and vocational learning, you know, wasn't attractive or popular for whatever reason, you've got this perfect storm of nobody wanting to do apprenticeships, neither um, potential students or employers. So where we are now is is in a a very, very different position. Um, Two things. Number one, we have created, and I say we, um, it's not the royal we, this is the industry, not just BIKBBI, that the industry assembled to work on a fit-for-purpose apprenticeship, an apprenticeship that is specifically for kitchen, bedroom, bathroom and home office installation. This isn't this isn't an apprenticeship that will teach you, you know, how to fit a door architrade or lay decking in your back garden. This is a fit-for-purpose apprenticeship that employers can get behind. Um, the second thing that we've done is that we've created a solution for small businesses, a way in which they can access apprenticeships uh, and, uh, and, you know, uncomplicate this whole process of accessing funding um, and, and cutting through the whole employment bit as well. And, and that, that, that ranges everything from providing advice and guidance on businesses to do it themselves all the way up to actually the Institute and the ATA, the Apprenticeship Training uh, Agency that we've created, can even employ the apprentice on behalf of the small business. That takes away all of the complication, actually, for for the small business. So that's a that's a that 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 is a game changer. Because you know, I mean, I, I remember when we were looking at options for Jack, and we'll bring Jack into this a little bit later in the show. But but you know that that one of the providers I was talking to was was saying that could be an option, and 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 if actually if there's someone that as a as a can, can support you as a business owner, and if your willingness is there, there there is there is a pathway for that now, and and I think what what you've done and and with Stephen's support, and you, you've done it in recent weeks. You've dropped the bomb, you know. You, you've you've made the right noise, and there has been a, been a been an amazing response. But but if we go back to to the crisis and that initial meeting of minds, you know, Messrs Johnson and Walters, and you know that we've got to stick or twist here, and we're going to twist. Stephen, what was the what was the driving force behind you and your business fully getting on board and working with Damien 
on these new apprenticeships? Um, listen, I, I think I had a, a, a different youth than you guys. I, I was privileged um, to, to be able to go into my family business, but I went in the family business at 16. I didn't enjoy school. Um, I wasn't an individual who was going to go to university. I, I, I absolutely hated school. I had a pathway, and I was fortunate enough that my father had a very successful business, and that gave me an immediate pathway into this industry. That started... 34, 35 years ago. He was a tough taskmaster. I started in the factory sanding drawers. I think my first paycheck was £50 a week and I had to stay in the factory for two years. So I had a different upbringing to you guys, but it's an, an apprenticeship in a way that's got me where I am. So when I met Damien, and we all come from different backgrounds, actually I'm only in the position I'm in because my father... Gave me, you know, gave me an opportunity in my business and I grasped that opportunity. I wanted that opportunity. So I had my apprenticeship and I tell you people, I served a 20-year apprenticeship with my father. And that, for me, has enabled me to do what I'm doing today. So the reason I'm keen to support Damien and his cause is two reasons. I love the industry. We've got a horrific problem a really horrific problem. And I appreciate we've had some uptake since it was launched, but it, this is this has got to be an everyday thing for everybody for the next five years to even part fix it. So I saw my background as something I wanted to offer to other people. And therefore, having built a successful business, um, and it's only successful because of the dealers I deal with, they buy our product, we give a good service. I feel compelled that we have to put something back into the industry. And I want to find people like me who are at school that don't want to go to university, don't want to be in a dot-com business. I want to find those people and explain to them that, you know, there's an amazing business here and there's amazing earnings potentials. I've got fitters that are earning six-figure salaries six-figure salaries and have the most amazing job in the world. And I, I, want, I want people to understand this. But what we mustn't forget, we're in a competitive environment. Me bringing some funding behind Damien and Damien bringing this apprenticeship scheme is, is a starting point. But we're competing with some serious players, okay? Even if we get this message across, we need to convince individuals that this is the apprenticeship they should take because it's better than going to work for Apple. It's better than going to work for Google. Yeah. It, it's a job that is, we're at the beginning of the process and everybody needs to engage with this on a daily basis for the, uh, for the next five or 10 years to even correct this. But what we mustn't forget, the funding and what Damien doing is just the beginning. We're in a competitive environment. We have to change mindset. We have to get people to understand that the kitchen, bedroom, bathroom, and home study industry is sexy. It's fun. We're creating things. We're making people happy. We're changing lives. And we've got to get that message across as well because I don't think that exists at the moment either. Stephen, 
Stephen, that, that was absolute quality. If you was in here, you could have done a mic drop because it was it was it was it was that good. But but some of the words you used there, competing with other industries, competing with you know you're trying to win the hearts and minds of the younger generation. That those conversations I have on a daily basis with employers that that actually believe. And, you know, it's so naive. They believe that because they're posting an advert or they're, they're looking for, for, for a new member of staff, they have a God-given right for the best people to line up at a bus stop and want to jump on that bus and come and work for them. The game has changed. The world has changed. And, and you are competing in a different arena. And, and I've said this publicly before, some of the industries I recruit for, they, they need to, and it's interesting, you know, they need to take off their tyres you know, undo the top button of their shirts and they need to just think a little bit more outside of the box in, in what the 13, 14 and 15 year old is looking for now and what's going to motivate them and inspire them. And that, that Damien, it leads me on to something. You had a bad day a week or so ago, mate. It was a day of two halves, wasn't it? You had, a, you had, a, you had an awful accident in the morning, you know, awful. And you, you ended the day positively with like the, I mean, I'm calling it the, K, the BIKBBI disco bus, but it's better than that, isn't it? It's, be, it's, it's better than that. That I mean, that's going on tour, isn't it? it? It looks amazing. Bring that to life for the listeners. It, it is. So we've got, listen, we've, we've, the whole topic of apprenticeships has got to be attacked in several different ways. We've got to create the, this, the, um, the curriculum check, um, we need to stimulate interest within the industry to support it, partly checked. Uh, we need to stimulate interest in the industry to take on uh, an apprentice, so creating sort of uh, vacancies for these uh, positions. And we're getting there. Over 250 businesses have stood up and said that we want to do that. It's, it's a good start, but it is only the start. 250 apprentices will not change this skills gap crisis. We need to treble that and keep going on an annual basis. Um, but the next thing that we need to do once we've got that is that we need to go out into the schools, we need to go out into the colleges, we need to go out into the communities, and we need to start talking to kids about what a career in this industry may look like. And that's, and that's what we plan to do next year. We will literally drive ourselves, our industry, into schools and colleges across the country and we will talk to kids about the opportunities that are available. We've done that very successfully in, in sort of uh, beta format uh, in the southeast around our trial in, uh, in Basildon. And that was incredibly successful. Um, engaging these sort of youngsters, uh, again, was a game of two halves. We would literally, I would stand up in front of assembly full of kids who in the beginning were sort of very uninterested in kitchens, bedrooms and bathrooms and uninterested in a CEO turning up and talking to them about it. But by the end of that, those sessions... Once they found out the earning potentials, the opportunities that exist, the pathway of uh, learning and education that would continue on their, um, their secondary school education, all of a sudden, people get interested. So we're going to replicate that not only, um, not only in the southeast, but we're going we're gonna to travel across the whole of the UK talking to thousands of kids in villages, in cities, uh, and we'll be talking to them about the opportunities that exist within this industry. Interestingly enough, the highlight, you know, the centrepiece of that will be, of course, the, um, the, 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 the apprenticeship that we've worked very hard on creating. 
but we will be generating an interest in the industry as a whole. So if you do not want to be an installer, there are lots of ways to engage in this fantastic industry. And whether that's in design, whether that's in manufacture, whether that's in retail, we will talk to kids about the whole shebang. But we've created the disco bus, as you call. We now need to put petrol in the tank. We need to put people in the disco bus. We need to produce literature. We need to get out there and spend a whole year on the road talking to people about this. And and that is, you know, part of our rally call here today. And this isn't happening um, um, because of some department in government that's throwing money our way or this magic tree that, that sort of dispatches pound notes. This, this is only happening because the industry are funding it, because... Businesses like Kuka and our other corporate sponsors, us and like you, that are standing up and putting their hand in their pocket to make this happen. If that doesn't happen, we will not do this. This will not happen. And all of that hard work would have got to nothing. And here's the sucker punch. There is no plan B, Peter. We have got no other solution in the bank waiting if this fails, if this fails, there is no other solution to this skills gap crisis that will come in and save the day. We've been working on this for 15 years. We haven't got another 15 years to figure out another plan. So get behind it or we will really face some issues here. OK, so so maybe it's a good idea you weren't in the studio because that's the second mic broke. You know, that's the second one down. But the passion that's coming through, and, and I, and I want to just, just crystallise this, the passion that's coming through is so inspirational. And that, you, know, that you go back to the, to the assembly in Basildon, right? And, and, you know, and some of my best work is with prisons, is at colleges, is with schools. I, I love that. I, I love there. And you, you tell your story of if I turn left, that could have happened, but I turn right and that happened. And, you know, you, you're trying to bring them with you. But the sheer fact that there is no plan B... I think is the perfect time for us to kind of take a break and move to the next end, next part of the show. Because in the next part of the show, we're going to talk to Jack the Lad, Jack O'Connell, who's going to open us up after the break. And he's going to talk to our listeners about what his journey's like and what he's been going through to undertaking a degree apprenticeship during COVID and lockdown one, two, three, and what it looks like now. So thank you, gents. That was a great, great half of the podcast. Life-changing recruitment for the KBB, builders, merchant and construction industries. Creative social content, specialist knowledge, world-leading video technology, helping you find career happiness and helping your business attract its stars of the future. We are Foyne Jones. This is what we do. Okay, Damien, Stephen, Jack, welcome back. So... We've heard so much about our stars of the future, the skills crisis and the younger generation. It is absolutely the perfect time to bring Foyne Jones' very own Jack the Lad into the podcast in a little bit more. Okay, so I'm just going to paint the picture so the listeners actually know how this happened. Jack is a lifelong friend of my youngest son, Henry Joseph Jones, so I've known him for for far too many years. Um, But Jack came into Foyne Jones during lockdown one um, just just for, you know, some socially distanced work experience for a couple of weeks just to get a feel for what a business is like because his university placement had fallen through and, and the 
the employer had pulled out and it was, you know, I don't actually know what I'm going to do. He's just coming out the other side of his A-levels. Um, I never let him leave, chaps. I never let him leave. That was the thing. So that, so that week turned into a month and it turned into a degree apprenticeship. Jack, tell Steve and Damien and, and our listeners and our connections what it is you're actually doing at Foyne Jones. Yeah, so I am doing a chartered management apprenticeship um, alongside obviously working at Foyne Jones. Um, and it's a, sort of a combination of the different parts of business, so from the operations side to the managing sort of the customers and the client side, and it's sort of bringing that all together. Um, at the moment, it's obviously started off at, started in COVID and on virtual, and I must say, uh, it was difficult to say the least, staring at a screen for four hours every day and uh, trying to stay concentrated. I found that hard, but we're sort of coming come out of the other end and now being at university, uh, at the University of West London and being able to go to campus and actually meeting sort of your people in your in your cinemas and talking to them about what they're doing in their apprenticeships, you know, it's made it much more enjoyable and sort of engaging much more. Um, and also sort of going on to sort of what why I wanted to do the apprenticeship. I was never sort of going to go to university, maybe because of, you know, maybe the money side of things is a factor, but I just, like probably you three, you know, at school I was sort of maybe wasn't as uh, focused as ever and I liked sort of working on on work. I always did from a young age with my stepdad, so that was something I was really important and wanted to do. Um, one of the big things is I think the positive things to take from it as well is, you know, getting that sector experience alongside getting the educational experience as well and I find that sort of the biggest beneficial part of it. Thank you, Joe. How long have you got to go? Two years now, and then I can become sort of part of the Chartered Institute Management as well if I want to do another year. But, you know, we'll come to that bridge when it comes. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a new one for us. It was the first degree-level apprentice we've had at Foyne Jones. I've had, um, I've had Harry, who went through a uh, recruitment apprenticeship brilliantly, and, uh, and young Callum Church, uh, my friend's son Callum. Um, you know, you guys would have met Callum in previous previous episodes, and and Callum has gone on to great things since he uh, passed his digital content production apprenticeship. He's uh, he, he's jogged me on, chaps, and he's now doing doing digital production and videography for Stephen Bartlett, the new dragon. So he's uh, he's moved he's moved on to great things, and, and actually. Um, he worked really hard for that opportunity. And, and he, he tells a story that when he first walked into Foyne Jones, he, he didn't know who Stephen Bartlett was. And, you know, he's, he's learnt that. He's, he's, he's had the confidence, you know, to come out of graduating with us. He's taken that and he's, he's knocked on the front door and said, give me an opportunity. So he got some freelance work. He got some projects. He's now been retained. You know, he's gone from recording podcasts with us, Damien, to recording with Rita Rora and Ben Fogel and Rio Ferdinand. I mean, I, I, I think he's missing a trick not in this room with us, to be Fair. Bit of a downgrade, I'd say there. I, I, I think, I think so, mate. But, but that's so, so, so we, as a very small recruitment business, that, that you know, we're very specialist within our sector. We are on our third apprentice coming through, and I am from that. I'm from that that school of thought where. If I bring in someone with five years recruitment experience, because we work differently, I'd probably spend a year de-skilling them for them to be ready for my business. So, so I look at I look at a fresher approach. I look at employing someone with energy, passion, intelligence, and and human skills, personality, and we train them. But for Jack's benefit, I mean, and, and, you know, and, any thoughts on what Jack's doing, Damien? Any Stephen? Anything you want to you want to sort of test him on or challenge him on? Or yeah. So go back to your school days. Yeah. Tell me which lesson you hated most. 
Okay. Um, science. I weren't very good at science. Yeah, I didn't. And do what very would you well replace it with that you would see as a benefit in your future career? What would you take out the curriculum and replace it with that would give you a benefit in you now in the job that you're doing? What would you replace it with? What a question. Um, probably something more actually like business minded. You know, I did a business course, but for I just it's nothing. Just working with Pete, it's nothing sort of like to say maybe the real world of business, um, and it's taking sort of yeah maybe evolving that as such and getting sort of a more what it's like to work in a business and how's it managing people and all those side of things is because it was always something I wanted to do. Do you think you would have been more focused if school would have given you a lesson that you would have? enjoyed and motivated you and you felt was part of your future yeah no god yeah definitely yeah and I think the big thing as well at school which I wanted to talk to you about is obviously you were saying you know the apprentices um you know you're going into schools yourself Damien well I remember being at secondary school um and even at college I went to Basel which is just up the road um you'd go into the big meeting rooms where everyone's trying to decide what colleges they're going to or what universities are going to and then there might be one apprenticeship table in the corner tucked away and you'd think talking about it now why aren't there more of them and why isn't they sort of shouting about yourself shouting about it themselves you've got Oxford University and all these amazing universities with loads of people interested but I think the big issue is there's not enough apprenticeship groups at those sort of events in colleges and schools to actually talk to you about them and say well what come with us I think that's the big thing I think businesses I think businesses have a responsibility as well I mean we we take on, yeah, lots of young people. My proudest moment was probably we've got a 16-year-old that left a grammar school, grammar educated, with six A stars, and he determined himself that university wasn't for him, and he wanted a job at KUKA. And that was probably one of my proudest moments, that actually, yeah. as an employee, we've got individuals that are looking at our business and thinking, wow, there's an amazing opportunity there. So I think, again, commerce and business has a huge responsibility to present itself to the like of Jack and to the yeah. like, funnily enough, the, 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 the six-year-old that joined me is called Jack as well. But I think yeah. really business, I actively promote opportunities. I want boys and girls to come out of school and coming to our business. So yet again, I'm calling on industry and business owners like me to step up, stand up, engage the youth and get them into their business because we're in a challenging environment and youth will drive our industry forward. Without it, we die. And the, the yeah. commerce has a responsibility to do that. Stephen, I've got, I've got, I've got two, two questions for you um, before I let Damien speak to Jack. Um, if, um, if you was going back to your school days and you could take a subject out and replace it with a subject, what would you remove and what would you have introduced it to with? Yeah, I think I, I would take out, I, would, I didn't enjoy many of the subjects, but I, I, when I reflect back on my school, obviously English, maths are common subjects that I've needed to use in my daily life. Geography, yeah, I need to be able to get around the country. So that was important, understanding the geography of the UK, not the geography of the world. So for me, I would, I would include life skills. What's work about? What's a mortgage? What's a loan? What's debt? What's finance? What's council tax? 
What's been out of work? What's been unemployed? What's been able to support a family? I came out of school and I was very privileged. I've had the most fortunate upbringing anybody can have, but I'm a humble guy and there's not a day I don't look back and think, wow, I am super fortunate. But I didn't, I learned those things from my father because I was involved in, in, in that way of life. And I picked up those school sets and I now meet people that come from deprived neighborhoods, from where they can't afford to put food on the table, where wives are getting battered. And I look at these people and I think, where are they going to learn their life skills? Where's the, where's the prospects coming from? So for me, the whole curriculum needs to focus on society, life, and what you do when you leave school. And I think it's a really, I think it's a structural problem that we're not going to resolve today, but I think mm. it, 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 it's really as bad as the skills crisis. And I think probably that's why we have a skills crisis as well, because the focus is about a grade, university. If you're not like an academic thinker, then actually you're not going to get a great job. So I think the whole curriculum needs to change. And I think if that changes, then we start to also partly resolve the skills crisis. But a huge debate. And, and, and Stephen, um, the, the young Jack you mentioned, he, he's in the tag team with Sasha that's created your new, uh, your new TikTok phenomenon, isn't yes. it? Yes, yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, so, they, yeah. They, yeah, so you, give, you give youth an opportunity and put them in an environment where they can thrive and they're going to make mistakes. They're, they're going to make errors but we make them f believe in themselves. I want them to have, I want them to come up with ideas. I want them to try things. And I want a business where you will thrive. And I think that's greatly part of our success. And it's something that we will continue to work on for now and the future. Okay, so I've got a challenge for Jack, the lad, which I'm going to bring up in a little while before before we end the podcast. But but Damien, anything you want to want to talk to Jack about on his on his degree apprenticeship journey? Yeah, listen. First of all, Jack, I take my hat off to you, mate. It's um, it's very rare that that um, yes. that you see youngsters wanting to go through that whole process <clears throat> and starting at the bottom. I think. One of the problems that we have, perhaps as a society, is that people want everything instantly these days. Um, there's this need for instant success, instant food, instant, instant boiling water. Come on, Damien. Hold that comment. Want. Hold that comment. I'm going to come and pull you on that comment before this podcast is out. So just hold that. Just hold that, Damien. Back to you. Genius. Absolutely first class, Stephen. Yeah. Thank you. Mate. Well done for chatting that in. But you're right. It, it, there is this absolute need for instant everything at the moment. And I think, you know, part, part of the issue for us is really talking to youngsters about, you know, building solid foundations for careers when, you know, quite rightly, you know, my kids turn around to me and say, well, you know, why do I need to do that? I can be a YouTuber or a vlogger, you know, or, or a TikTok sensation. And, you know, I've got two 14-year-olds that are, you know, making 100, 150 quid a month just sending tweets at the moment. So it's very difficult in some instances to argue with them. Um, you know, why do you, why do I want to do the gardening for you, Dad, uh, when <laughs> I can just send a few tweets and I'll get me 150 quid off the, off the company that I work for? So it's... You know, it's, it, it is a very difficult one. But, but Jack, I mean, for you, mate, um, you know, what was the thing that you wanted? So when you was at school, when you were sort of at that point where you were choosing careers and thinking about what route you're going down to, 
what was your end point? What is it you actually want or wanted or want from life? You know, that's an interesting thing to get to, really, because we need to get we need to get around that to 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 encourage people into this industry. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, big question, uh, but uh, you know, I think the big thing for me was I wanted to sort of maybe independency. You know, get on my on my own two feet, get working. Um, and doing it alongside, so I still get those educational benefits as well. So I'm not, you know, you might always need a plan B in life. So I've got that as a backup. But working with Pete in a sector that I love, so I enjoy everything within the recruitment, working with the builders, merchant, and KBB sectors, and. It was something, yeah, it just it was, for me, it was never a thought of going to university. It really wasn't. Um, but I suppose it's hard identifying maybe the likes of me, people who don't want to go to university. But um, it's just pointing, I think, I was lucky enough to obviously have Peter there. Got a great opportunity. Also had the support of Carmen, who um, was with the apprenticeship Carmen Daly group. is brilliant. Yeah, Carmen Daly. Absolutely brilliant. And we were very fortunate to have someone who was able to point me in the right direction and obviously speak to me about the different options. And I sort of found what yeah. I wanted to achieve on the educational side. And obviously prior to going forward for the apprenticeship, working with Pete in an industry, um, I loved all of that and getting my experience. So I think it's like eating two birds with one stone. And I don't know why not a lot more people don't don't really do it for, for me I've, I've got a i've got another question i'm going to sneak in another cheeky one if that's okay mate um one of the things that i continuously hear from um small businesses uh in terms of their objection or maybe concerns probably better worded around taking on an apprentice is that there's this perception that um that a business will will invest in a, in a youngster take them on board, train them for two or three years, and that actually what they're doing is training their future competition and that that person will leave two or three years down the line and all of a sudden be in competition. My view has always been, well, it's like any business. If you're taking somebody on that's good, you've got to develop them, you've got to support them, and you've got, the, got to make them want to be part of that business uh, mm. by showing them a pathway within your organisation that's going to give them some sort of inspiration to stick with it. Um, my question to you is, is what does Peter do that, that, that will retain you above and beyond your apprenticeship? Because ultimately, I'm sure, whilst even whilst um, Peter's sort of accepting that at some point you may move on, I think there's a lot of investment in you as an individual and in giving you, you know, the, the insides of his workings, his business acumen. Um, but he's not going to want to lose you in two years when your apprenticeship is finished. So, what, yeah. what is it that Peter can do? What is it that he is doing that's going to keep you longer? I think it's just the no pressure, Jack. Yeah, big answer. <laughs> The biggest thing for me is obviously just uh, working alongside Peter on a day-to-day -day basis. It might not be the same for a lot of other apprenticeships who do it in a big business, um, and that might be one of the reasons why they do grow elsewhere. But working with Pete, who's the owner of Foyne Jones, who's got so much experience, is trying to be a sponge as much as I can, working with him every day in the office. And I think that's the, that, that's the big thing for me. I mean, one, one of the things we, we, we've always done, and, and, and Jack's 
an example of that is similar to what Stephen's Stephen Stephen's saying about he about about the Jack, young Jack that works for him, um, and and we've done this with Harry, we've done this with Callum. Is when they're ready, they well they're good enough, they're ready. Let them have fun, you know. And and there are highs, there are lows. We're in recruitment, you know. It's a results business, yeah, so <laughs> so you've got to you've got to be able to roll with that. But 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 we will have a pathway, and there is a route there for for Jack to lead a team if he wants to. There's a there's it depends what way he wants to go. Jack is as you could probably said already he's got confidence he's got good interpersonal skills he's popular with with businesses they like him people like him that is already a recipe for success I see him as a a big part of the future of Foyne Jones so much so Mr Johnson that I'm going to give him a little TikTok project because we're not active on that platform so um I think we'll I think we'll yeah no, he did I think I think we'll give him a give him a TikTok project and uh it's I think it's you know one let's look at it another way like Jack O'Connell's 19 years of age. He's been with us a year and a half. He's on this podcast taking questions, answering questions and having having fun and conversation with Stephen Johnson and Damian Waters. That's not something you do in every career. That's not something you're always going to get an opportunity to do. Put them in the right place. He's even twiddling all the, all the buttons and lights over here. I don't actually know what's happening, but <laughs> it, 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 it looks like he's got a lot of control. So, so there's some powerful messages there. And, and it does kind of take us back, I think, to the, to, to the skills crisis, to the apprenticeships. And just going back over some of the points we've, we've, we've spoken about, you know, we are saying there is, and I want the listeners just to take a pause and just think about this, there is no plan B, nada. There is no plan B. So, so we need to make this work. We need to change the mindset. We are in a skills crisis. It's not coming. We're in it now. Apprenticeships and the apprenticeships created by the BIKBBI, the Fitted Interiors Apprenticeships, are giving you a pathway to being a skilled installer and arguably or potentially a six-figure salary and beyond. You know, you can go and create your own business. Give you an example of that. I've got a couple of landscapers working in my house at the moment, all right? They were working for a for a company. One of them was 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 trying to get on apprenticeship and and it was going back and forwards. They they they've gone out on their own, you know, and they've had to make this happen themselves because they didn't get the they didn't get the support. They've gone out on their own. They've they've created a small local business model and they are doing beautiful projects in the East Sussex area, right? Where's um, that runs the business. He's 26. Louis, he's second in command. Is what's Louis? 22. He's a year above, two years above. Is it, he's, he's 20. He's 21, 22. Right. And they've got a couple of other youngsters that work with them. My son, when he's back, is one of them. My youngest son. And they've made it happen for themselves. And the jobs they're bringing in and their interpersonal skills are second to none. That can easily transfer into the the kitchen, the bathroom, the installation world. So what what is the real message we want to end this show on? Damien, what, what is it you want to say? No, we've, we've just got to get behind it now. And regardless of what your budget is, regardless of, of, you know, whether or not you take apprentices on or potentially would take apprentices on yourself, the whole industry has a responsibility to fix this. The government have been very, very, very clear. If we do not get behind this and embrace this, not only will we miss an opportunity here, but they will withdraw funding for the apprenticeship and they will give that funding that is earmarked for us to another industry that wants it 
And Stephen mentioned some good bits about fierce competition from other industries. I think that's also can be said about the, the, the funding. There are lots of industries out there that are arriving for government funding at the moment. And unless we get behind it, we are not going to be, it won't be a, an available option moving forward. And, and that, when you haven't got a plan B, will be an absolute catastrophe for this industry as far as I'm concerned. And you've heard me whittle on about double glazing industries and renewable energy industries and how they fared because of a lack of skills gap, uh, a lack of available skills and the gap that comes off the back of it. Well, we are absolutely no different to that. Um, the, the, the big the big sort of message for me is, is get behind it. If you've got a budget, get in touch. If you haven't got a budget, but you've got an audience, talk to your audience about it. Talk to potential employers about getting behind it, about maybe taking on an apprentice, about, uh, you know, highlighting who we are and the role that we play in it. Um, and, but Stephen is quite right. This cannot be a flash in the pan conversation that we have because it's fashionable to talk about today. This has got to be a sustained effort over the next two, three, four, five, six, ten years, if we have any chance of trying to reverse this issue that we've that we've got at the moment. Because if we don't, it won't happen. We can innovate with fantastic instant boiling water taps. We can innovate with fantastic hinges and servo drivers. We can innovate with great looking designs. We can give consumers exactly what they want on paper. <laughs> And we do a fantastic job of doing that as an industry. We can we can create fantastic logistics that get products on time in full. We can do all of that stuff. But if there's nobody there to fit it at the end of it, it starts to unwind from that point on. And and you know we cannot afford that to happen as an industry. We really can't. And as I said to you before, there's no money tree. There's no secret department within the government that's supporting the development uh, of fitted interiors that are looking at this specifically. The government have provided the funding for the foundation and it is now for us to embrace it and take it forward. And it's now our day. We've got to do this. Um, and my sort of call to action will be um, get involved, get in touch, whatever level you can do. Um, there, there will be a way in which you can support the development of this that will benefit your business directly. doesn't matter whether you're a supplier, distributor, manufacturer, retailer, designer, logistics company. Get behind it because your support of it will support your business, its vision and its future. And what, Damien, thank you. What, what's the starting point? Is it a conversation with you? Is it reaching out to you, contacting you? Yes, it is. So the, 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 we've created a page on our website that, you know, we have very much spelled out um, what each um, potential stakeholder, how they can get involved in, in this whole process. Um, your listeners um, can, can go to the BIKBBI website, BIKBBI.org.uk, and on the top tab, they will see an education uh, option. Click on that, click on apprenticeships, and you will have a full suite of information about how you can get involved and support this initiative. And like I say, it's not just about money. I understand that budgets are, are something we've all got to keep an eye on. Um, there are lots and lots of ways to get involved in this. But brass tacks, it is money that will make this thing happen. This disco bus that we talk about 
is not going to drive itself um, into schools and colleges across the UK. It is not going to have the capacity to have these meaningful conversations that sow the seed for future uh, career uh, consideration for these kids. That that does need cash. Um, and by, by getting behind us, by getting behind what we do, by engaging us, by becoming a corporate sponsor, by becoming a member, by forwarding your customers on to us uh, and supporting the, the, the very things that we get involved in um, is your way and can be your way to support uh, us to deliver the solution around the skills gap. Um, but the website is definitely the starting point of that journey. Thank you, Damien. Stephen, anything you want to um, leave us with? Let me close with this and I'll be very quick. It's from a customer because I think we've talked a lot about the need for investment and Damien's work, but I think this really drives it home to me. I never thought I'd say my life has been changed with a tap. From the virtual online consultation to the quick delivery of the tap and the absolutely exceptional installation by my new favorite KUKA tradesman, Jason. Jason turned up exactly on time. He was polite, professional, and ever so knowledgeable. He fitted the tap neatly and quickly. I was incredibly impressed, and I will remain forever grateful now that I have a sleek new tap and no longer have a kettle on my worktop. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, KUKA. For me, you can have the most amazing product in the world. However, you should not forget that it's the installer that leaves that lasting impression. So we've talked about investment. We've talked about budgets. I urge everybody in this industry, when they look at their budgets for 2022, they set aside money for this project so that we can ensure that we have a robust trades industry for now and for the future so if you don't have the finances make them you have to create them in your budget because if you don't you won't have a business fantastic what a, what a testimonial what a testimonial um okay gents what i want to just end the show on and this this i think is really important for me is just just going back on this so we know there's no plan b all right, we, we know there's no plan B. That customer testimonial, the power of installation, where the actual magic happens, that's brought it all, that's brought it all to life. Because if there was not a Jason, or if there was not a Jane, if there was not someone there to do that final part of the process, it all goes, it all comes to nothing. So, so that is a message we're going to work on. Um, for me, I am going to put, keep putting my money where my mouth is. So Damien, Stephen, Peter Jones and Team Foyne Jones will continue and we will support you 110% of the way. Yes, we'll get on that disco bus, Damien, because I'm, you know, I'm all over that and we'll come to schools and colleges and we'll go to work. But I will use my voice. I will use my passion. I will use my energy and I'll put other resource around it. So if you have businesses that are looking for apprentices and they need a wider reach in terms of advertising, marketing, you know, generating that interest, we will work with you completely free of charge we'll support you we'll come up with a of a of a strategy of getting that in play and we really really will put that in place all right that's that's what we're about at Foyne Jones we are invested in the future generation with Jack Lalad Jack will be 
undertaking. I'm going to put it together, but he's going to get a little TikTok project for December that he's going to be reporting into Mr. Johnson and Mr. Walters with, not with me. So he's going to have different taskmasters, probably better motivators and a different voice and some different encouragement, maybe with the help of the tag team at Kuka UK. So that brings us absolutely fantastically to the end of today's episode. This is the this was the first episode of season five. I'm going to say that again. Season five of my podcast. Thank you, Damien. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Jack. Have you enjoyed the show, gents? Loved it. Thank you. Yeah, amazing. Thank you for the opportunity. No problem. Thank you, Stephen. Well done, mate. Good job. Thanks for listening. That's the end of episode one. Big shout out to our sponsors, MHK Holding UK. Next week, I'm going to be joined by my friend, my business partner, the brilliant Scott Curry of Virtual 360 Tours Gloucester Limited. We're going to talk about the fantastic partnership between Virtual 360 Tours and Jones Digital. Thanks for listening. This was The Foy and Jones Show, episode one, Back to Business. Thank you.